Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I have my first volunteer shift at the animal shelter tomorrow. Oh my gosh. What are the chances that you're going to send me a picture of a dog you're going to adopt? Zero. The odds are zero, Liz. <laughs> but the odds are really high that I'm going to be sending you pictures of a lot of dogs. <laughs> oh gosh. The odds are higher that you're going to get another dog than that they are of, my, uh, of me. We will see. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk to journalist Maureen Ryan about her incredible book, Burn It Down, Power, Complicity, and a Call for Change in Hollywood. Then we have a Hollywood hack to help you stay pain-free on the picket line, although hopefully we won't be there that much longer. We'll see. And I have a book recommendation. But first, Sarah, we have a couple of updates. We are prepping our summer listener questions episode. So email us a question at happierinhollywood at gmail.com, or you can send us a voice memo, or you can post a question in our Facebook group. Yes. And then we also wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the wildfires in Hawaii. It's just a horrible situation. I think the fires there are now the deadliest in U.S. history. It's just incredibly sad. So we wanted to share a couple resources, but Hawaii is so close to so many people's hearts, including ours. In Los Angeles, it's a direct flight to Hawaii. So we go there a lot. And we love it. And in fact, Sarah, after you and I finished our first season at Angel, which was one of our first big jobs in Hollywood, we celebrated by together taking a trip to Maui. And it was, yes. for both of us, I think, our first time in Hawaii. And it's a trip that I'll always remember. Fell in love with it. Have gone back many times to Maui and other places so just really thinking about everybody in Hawaii. Yes, and particularly Maui. We wanted to share a couple resources that Jen Grisanti posted on her Facebook account. Jen is a story consultant. I think we met her before we even got our first job. She worked for Spelling at that time. She's just a really, really excellent story consultant who has worked with tons and tons of people. And now she lives in Maui. And so she is suggesting MauiUnitedWay.org and HawaiiCommunityFoundation.org as places to donate to help people out in Maui and in other parts of Hawaii that have been affected by these horrible fires. Yes. So sending lots of love there. 
Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, we are lucky to have the inimitable, fabulous Maureen Ryan with us to talk about her new book, Burn It Down, Power, Complicity, and a Call for Change in Hollywood. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, suggested everybody read it, and now we are lucky that Mo is going to join us. Critic and journalist Maureen Mo Ryan is a contributing editor at Vanity Fair and has written for Entertainment Weekly, The New York Times, Salon, GQ, and Vulture. Prior to joining Vanity Fair, Mo worked as a TV critic at Variety, HuffPost, and Chicago Tribune. In addition to criticism, opinion pieces, and feature stories about the entertainment industry, she has spent much of the last decade writing in-depth pieces on matters of inclusion, misconduct, and abuse in Hollywood, and on efforts to make the industry better on a variety of fronts. She lives in the Chicago area with her family, and more of her work can be found at moryan.com. Mo, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I could not be more excited to be here. I'm so excited. We're so happy. It's been a while since we chatted. Yes. It has. And I cannot overstate the impact that your book has had on the community of women writers in Hollywood. Like the week it came out and the weeks following, it was like everywhere I went on social media, it was people going, have you read this? Have you seen this? Have you looked at this? I just finished my copy. Does someone need a copy? I mean, it was like this whole thing that just spread all over among these people that we know, that must have been incredibly gratifying. Were you getting that experience on your end? Oh, well, beyond anything. I mean, you you both have written, you're both creative people who like produce, create. There's always the fear that something will go massively awry with something you put in the world. But there's also the fear that like it just goes splat and like <laughs> nobody cares. And I, I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't think nobody would care, but like maybe it's just going to be a cult thing and, you know, not too many people. But yeah, when I heard that someone was actually pacing around, I think it was the Disney lot, like holding the physical book, I'm like, I've made it. That's it. That's yeah. my Emmy. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I don't. Yes. And then someone, of course, was saw, spotted someone else reading it on a New York subway platform, which again, nice. that's my Oscar. Dream come true. You know, someone, I was waiting to take my son to the dentist and... Someone let me know this, and then I got into a DM, a lovely DM conversation with the writer who did this. Someone had a sentence from my book on their strike sign, and I was like, just sitting here crying, uh, waiting to go to the dentist. I just like sobbing, like, and that's really all I wanted, you know. Like, I you want the book to have impact, and you know, lately I've been joking that "Burn It Down" is catchy, no regrets, but like maybe the subtitle or another title could be "It's Not You, It's the Industry." Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've known each other a while and like so much of my conversations for like 20 years plus has revolved around that where I'm like, it can be easy to feel like you're the one that's having the issues. And I, I'm really glad that there's been so much work done by so many people, whether industry activists, people like me, like there's just a whole array of things have changed since we all like probably first got to know each other. Yes. And so I think there is definitely more recognition that it isn't you, that there's more there's more collective recognition and individual recognition that these are systemic, institutional problems and failings. But it's still so gratifying. Like, I keep getting messages like that li- daily, texts, DMs. I circled this. This was me. And th- that's the thing that 
I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but so many people have reached out to say, I read this part and it wasn't like my name was there, but this was exactly my situation. And and, and just, I'm coming around to this idea that always percolated in the back of my mind, but yet people, people need food, shelter, water, like people sleep, like people need those things. But beyond that, yes, they want money, they want connections, they want relationships. But I do think, and tell me if you agree or disagree, I think one of the core things people want in, the, in life is to feel seen and to feel Absolutely. heard. If I could help provide an avenue for that of recognition or feeling seen, that's the most I could hope for. And, the, and be, it's been beyond what I ever had hoped. Because you don't want to be a douchebag and be like, everyone's going to be like, you don't know what the yeah. response is going to be. You don't want to be arrogant. And so it's like that individual and collective recognition and f- that sense of feeling seen. It, every day it's so gratifying. It really is. And that's made, made all the stress of it worthwhile, which, you know, if you want to talk for two hours about that. Yes. <laughs> two to three hours minimum. Well, that's a question we have, Mo. I mean, the, the book is so compelling and it's a page turner, but it also for us as TV writers, female TV writers, was hard to read. I mean, it really oh, brought yeah. up instances that we where something exactly like it had happened to us, all the kind of different times of rage we've had. We were remember some of the actual people who are in the book that when they were going through those things. So as hard as it was to read, Sarah and I keep thinking it must have been hard for you to hear all these stories and then write about them. Did that have an emotional impact on you? Profound, yes. And I'm still unpacking that. And I think I probably will be for a while. And having done tough reporting, and, and by the way, I mean, you know, issues to do with inclusion, misogyny, sexism, racism. Like I've, I've reported on the industry as a critic, as a reporter, as a feature writer, but also like as a tough investigative reporter for a long time. So it wasn't like this stuff was unknown to me, especially since 2017, walking through all these difficult spaces with people and and just holding the space for them. It was really tough. And I think what I didn't anticipate was, hang on, let me back up. It was an honor that people trusted me with these parts of their stories. And I'm continually awed by people trusting me at all, let alone with these very painful parts of their past or parts of their formative experiences. So I, I first need to point that out. But I think where I probably miscalculated the most and, and you know how it is you know oh I can write a feature screenplay in this amount of time or I can write a book. like you, d- you never know until you're in it and you're like oh boy I just didn't nope that was <laughs> I was wrong <laughs> look at me the wrong person it's a lot to process psychologically and emotionally when you have the more challenging conversations and so it's like, can I, can I get cracking on the next chapter? Like, you know, 20 minutes after that or like two days after? No, like it's very, to continually get back in the saddle to like, okay, to be present for someone when they're talking about these things is a skill. And then to be present and also be a reporter, I have to pick my moments. I have to gauge where things are, where the person is. Sometimes I have to say, look, do you have that document? Or do you, like, what day did this happen? You know what I mean? Does anyone else remember yeah. it? And so you don't want to seem like a callous person when you, like, you have to kind of, like, make sure. Like, so for a lot of instances and a lot of the stuff you read about, I would have multiple conversations with people. And they like to double check things or to to flesh them out a bit more, get more context. So doing all of that, doing all the reporting and then doing the writing at the same time, I thought there'd be a lot more seamless transitioning between those things. And no, 
that was Mm -hmm. not the case. But at the same time, if I'm honest with you, which I always hope to be because I love your podcast, by the way, huge fan. At the same time, I, I realized that fairly early on, but at the same time, would I wanted to take a year for research, a year for interviewing, and then a year to write? Because like, man, this stuff is tough to, as you know, yeah. like it's, I feel like it should have been a disclaimer in the book, like only read one chapter at a time or you may explode. I maybe should have said yeah. that because I, I, in my inbox, like basically every showrunner I've ever known is like, yeah, I had to put it down. I'm like, yeah, you oh, should yeah. put I it down. I had to take a Don't. break. I read like halfway through really fast mm-hmm. and then I had to take like a week off. I was like, all oh. right. <laughs> no, I I've been telling people break. that, that like I needed breaks for some reason, like I'm proud of the Saturday Night Live chapter, but that was like my kryptonite. And like, I couldn't do that Mm. in conjunction with like, revise this or like address the lawyer's notes and address the, the, like, yeah, I couldn't do certain combos of chapters all in one day, even when I was in the revision or editing or fact checking phase. Cause it's like, this is some tough head spaces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more Mo Ryan after this. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. We are back with our guest, Mo Ryan, talking about her book, Burn It Down. One thing, Mo, that's interesting is because, so the book really talks about people's actual experiences in the room or with certain people, um, very specific but also, it's not just the misogyny and, and the racism and the inclusivity issues and all of that. It's also just about how things just might not make sense. There's so much wasted money because of these things. And just the frustration of being a TV writer is, is what we relate to, obviously, mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. the, the screenwriter thing. Have you found that this is very specific to Hollywood, or do you think this is also happening in other industries? Well, I'll tell you the sort of stealth, one of the stealth projects of the books. Like, you always have the overt thing that you try to accomplish with a piece of uh, something that you're working on, but then there's always like the, I hope people also get this out of it. You know, we'll see. The stealth project, one of them was, this is all creative industries, frankly. It's, It's media, it's journalism, 
It's anything mm. where there's a high degree of gatekeeping and certain individuals have a great deal of power and are seen as the rainmakers. And actually, as one does, obviously, sometimes you're trolling on the equal opportunity EEOC site for the federal government. Like we all do this, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there's a study there that at some point I have a printout somewhere of it. It's like a 2016 study. And it was like, what are the essentially trigger factors for creating a hostile work environment? Like what are the elements that we see over and over again? And this is the government, like it's written in very dry, but very efficient government <laughs> prose. And they're like, if someone is seen as a rainmaker, if someone is seen as having special access, whether it's access to making money on Wall Street, access to technological innovation in Silicon Valley, political power in D.C., in L.A. and New York, oh, they're creative. So it's someone is seen as having special qualities that are irreplaceable and that they are going to make people a lot of money. And that power is very concentrated. There's been a lot of talk about the skewed money ratios of like David Zaslav earning quarter of a billion dollars in one calendar year, not a misprint. We all like he's earned half a billion dollars in the last five years. And that, you know, the assistants living on, you know, ramen and power bars, they can scavenge from like craft service. There's also... And this is something in my work I've tried to do a lot, and I hope the book helps reinforce this. The power disparities are almost absolute in Hollywood, right? There's the head mm. of the studio, and then there's everybody else. There are people with some influence, some access, some power, but the power disparities are wildly out of balance. And that's really, honestly, that was a reason to do the SNL chapter or to do the Scott Rudin chapter. One of the things that I'll never, like, lives rent-free in my head, and it didn't make it into the book, but... One of the people I spoke to for the Scott Rudin chapter said, if you were a film lover and you wanted to get into the industry in the 90s, the two shops in New York, if you lived in New York, were Scott Rudin's and, and the Weinstein brothers. And I'm like, mm -hmm. to this day, if you want paid work in comedy, you cannot piss off Lauren Michaels. Right. That's what I think people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. I think maybe gradually that's changing that. The image of Hollywood is that it's a bunch of crunchy granola hippies sitting around a sharing circle, passing the talking stick. And like, you know, there's this equality. There's a, there's a lot of rhetoric around like being giving and sharing. And, and as you both know, there can be wonderfully collaborative relationships where people are just peers all working together to make something better. That is a thing that can happen. But that's within an overall context of you know, as I call it, Hollywood is a series of linked autocracies, mm -hmm. right? I mean, am I, I'm not wrong. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm trying to explode a lot of myths around the industry. Like, what do people make? Not that much. I mean, normal mm -hmm. white collar amounts, if they're lucky, more often barely getting by working class money, especially in LA. Mm -hmm. What are workplaces like? Often they're run by autocrats and dictators. But it's sharing and caring and care bears and all that. Right? No. Yeah. Right. Vindictiveness is the order of the day. If people have power up until, I mean, it's still the, the case, they can be vindictive at will. And they can trash your potential in the industry or your career as a whole if they're powerful enough. Well, and that goes to something else that we were kind of blown away by in the book, which is the people who spoke to you, they're like our heroes. We 
don't talk openly in that way, although mm-hmm. we should have a conversation after this interview off the record. But we're not that brave. It's really risky. And mm-hmm. for those people to do that, you know, Melinda Shu Taylor, Monica Breen, yep. we bowed down to them. For- I walked up to Harold Perrineau. I didn't meet him until we were in person at ATX uh-huh. TV Festival. And I was like, I just mm. blurted out awkwardly because we had never met in person. We had talked, Aww. you know, dozens of times on the phone. Like, Harold, why did you trust me? Like, I'm Mm. constantly astounded. Like, I don't have a better explanation than you do, which is just that these people are heroic. And if I can explode another myth in a different way, the myth of Hollywood being dog-eat-dog and everyone is just brutally cruel and out for themselves, that's also a lie. Yeah, I mean, I've been, having been around it, I mean, the first set I ever walked onto was The X-Files 30 years ago. So, like, I'm old. I am 1,000 years old. That's a lie, too. The hallmark of my work is people who are willing to, and, and, and don't please don't be down on yourself. I constantly am saying that to people. Please, you have your role to fulfill. You are doing this podcast. You have been bosses. You are leaders. You are seen. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that they're acting as role models when they are. And I think that in in my experience, you and many others have a consciousness of that, or maybe even a greater consciousness these days. So I, sometimes people will say, we'll have a few preliminary talks and they're like, I can't be part of the story or part of the book. I'm like, that's cool. You know what's right for you. I'm really glad that you know how to take care of yourself because this industry does not teach you that and certainly tries to make you forget that you should ever take care of yourself. So I don't judge because it's exactly what you said. Sarah, it's very hard. It's very hard to make it at all, let alone be seen as stepping out of line by speaking truth to power. Well, because those powerful people can be vindictive. They're very scary. And and we have absolutely suffered the wrath of vindictiveness when we even just peeped up and said anything. So I Uh think that we have felt that and it has made us, it has impacted how we are now. And I mean, I think that's one of the points of the book. I mean, there's a lot that a lot of people do, I think, that is not publicly visible, that is really valuable. And one of the things that you do that is valuable is, and this is why I also love uh, Noah Epsilon and Dan Rutstein's podcast, Screaming into the Hollywood Abyss, because it's like, you are talking to people about the everyday realities. And we were just speaking about this. You are helping people feel less alone and more in a community when you talk about the truthful stresses. It's mm-hmm. a relief. So I think there's there's huge value in just parsing why it's difficult to be happy in Hollywood. You know, just to get mm-hmm. to the to the point of your the yeah. title, like it's it's a difficult thing, and there are moments of joy and collegiality. The everyday grind of it is is very. You have to be. You have to take on a lot of work that isn't even really creative work, but just kind of kind of like survival work or endurance training, (laughs) you know? That's why we always say it's a war of attrition, because so much of it is just keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. So, Mo, let's transition to hopeful future. Yeah, sure. You spend a lot of time in the book, which is great, talking about concrete changes that you think can help change the culture of Hollywood. What are the primary things that you think can be done and Mm -hmm. specifically that everyday people can do? And you talk about it also in the context of a controlled burn, which I love, that crystallized something for me. So talk about that too, with what a controlled burn means. Well, the first gauntlet I'm going to throw down is always to the people with power. If people have 
power, access, protection, insulation, money, connections, all of those things, and they state that they have X, Y, and Z values, whether it's a person or a company, if you state that you have those values and you never do the work of putting those values into action and demonstrating that you believe in those values, then you don't, in fact, have those values and you're just saying words and those words are truly meaningless to the people who work for you. So I will just die on this hill of I'm sick to death of not just assistants, costume designers, camera operators, co-EPs. I've talked to everyone at, at many different levels. The people with power, as we talked about, most of the people, because, oh, you're, but you're the, you know, producing director. You're the, like, a lot of people are still afraid because, again, you piss off one wrong person at that studio Maybe you lose your house three months, six months later because you cannot work. So the people with power have to own their decisions and not doing anything about toxic, abusive workplaces and not doing anything to create training, resources, and support to create and foster good workplaces. That's number one. The people and the entities that have the most power own that you are making decisions around these things. And if you don't make decisions in, li- in alignment with your stated values of respect for employees, valuing of employees, then please stop saying that you care about those things because you don't. Here's a concrete thing that is very nitty gritty. The Hollywood Commission began saying three years ago that they were going to put an independently run reporting portal online They said, oh, we're going to roll it out in 2022 or 2021 at first. That was the first thing. This was the commission run by, um, you know, on the board is Kathleen Kennedy, the chair. I think the chair was Anita Hill. This is formed after me, too. Then they said to me last year, oh, we're going to roll it out in 2022. It's still not anywhere. Put a portal paid for and run, but independent of the studios out there so that people can feel safe reporting Misconduct, abuse, toxicity. And please understand the people who do end up using the portal, if it ever comes into being, which I'd like to know where it is. It's been three years now that they've been talking about it. Um, Make it safe for people to come forward and support and robustly publicize this tool. And I think that that could be a a very concrete game changer because nobody wants to go to HR ever. So that that could happen, but where is it? Well, we believe that your book is a huge part of the change that needs to happen, and we're very grateful that you wrote it. Thank so, you. So thank you. Absolutely. I couldn't be more happy to talk to you about it. And, you know, just before we sign off really briefly, I do have hope for the industry because I do think that there's been so much more truth interjections of reality in the last few years. And I can't be hopeless because... There are so many people who came forward to me or to other reporters and have been trying to create a better industry. And I just, everyone who's doing that, I'm cheering you on. I've got my fingers crossed about on that front and on the strike too. Mo, you are such a champion of writers, creators. You always have been. You write about this because you love it. We thank you and we think everybody needs to read this book and all of your work. I know you have moryan.com. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to know Mo and Mo's writing, and we think you need to do a sequel to this. Is it going to be about puppies and rainbows? 
Yeah. I would like to do an expose <laughs> on like kittens. Are they any good? Yes. I don't know who can say. Okay, well, whatever I'll read that it is, too. whatever okay. it is, we'll read it and we'll have you on to talk about I it. I can't Thank wait. You, Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mo. Thanks. Next, we have a Hollywood hack. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. It's a video from WGA member and fitness pro Sheila Callahan. You can find it on YouTube. It's called WGA Picket Line Warm-Up and Cool-Down. It's a five-minute warm-up workout or cool-down if that's what you want to do at the end as well. And a listener sent it to us. And we can't find the source anywhere. So thank you, but we don't know who to give credit to. Now, Liz, hopefully this won't be something we're doing much longer on the picket line, but a good warm-up and cool-down is, you know, always good to have in your back pocket. Yes, and we're suggesting this because people do have physical aches and pains from picketing a lot of sore shoulders, sore feet, sore legs. Hips. A lot of hips. Hips. So, well, I think it's because, you know, carrying a sign, if there's wind especially, can really kind of tire you out. And it's all, of course, on very hard cement where we're walking. Anyway, so it's helpful to take care of your body while you're picketing. Now, we do have to point out that the WGA and the AMPTP seem to be back at the negotiating table. I'm a little skeptical of how that's going to go, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. Best case scenario... This will not be relevant for all that long. Worst case scenario, it's relevant for a while longer. (laughs) Yeah, and Sarah, I just have to say, like, the energy on the picket line is not flagging. It is not flagging at all. I mean, it is summer out there. It is hot. But the energy is super positive, super unified. We now have WGA and SAG-AFTRA together. So I really think... Now is the time for the AMPTP to get to business. Absolutely. And finally, Sarah, every week we recommend a book, a movie, a podcast, or just anything else we love. This week, you have a recommendation for a book. I do. Now, I want to say before I tell you what the book is, I actually am serious. I really think this is something that we should all at this stage in our lives be reading. But there's a book called How to Survive Middle School, U.S. History. And I'm using it as one of Violet's textbooks for her fifth slash sixth grade year this year. And I mean, I have to tell you, think about how much we've forgotten. Like, we have forgotten a lot. And I don't necessarily want to read a super dry adult 
history book, but this book is really easy to read. It reminds me of a lot of things that I used to know about and want to know about again, and now maybe would want to read specifically about a particular thing more in depth. So I really highly recommend checking out How to Survive Middle School U.S. History. Also, there's a book called The U.S. Constitution Decoded. Also recommend going back, pretending you're, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old and reading those books. I just have a question. When it's how to survive middle school, is it sort of what you need to know in middle school about U.S. history? Or is there an element in it that's about middle school? No, it's a series of books for middle schoolers on all these different subjects, like how to survive middle school math, how to survive middle school Ah. U.S. history, how to survive middle school science. I don't know. (laughs) But the U.S. history one is the one I'm using, and I'm totally into this book. That's great. You're never too old, Liz. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love hearing from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our guest, Mo Ryan. Read her book, Burn It Down, or listen to it. I did both. (laughs) Also love it in the audiobook form. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram, at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Canes 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy Enjoy it. Liz, a woman stopped me at Whole Foods the other day to ask about my hokas. Oh, really? Because she'd been hearing about them and wanted yes. to know if they were lived up to the hype? Yes, we had a long conversation about sizes. Should she size up? Should she size down? <laughs> Like, oh, oh my, God. my gosh. She is, of course, was wearing Birkenstocks. I was like, you're my people. Sweeping the nation. From the Onward Project.